ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On a Monday, NBA Finals knotted up at a game of peace. LSU and Southern Miss in an elimination game tonight. Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball team wrapped up their season yesterday at the College Station Regional, falling uh, on the in an elimination game to the TCU Horn Frogs who then went on to take on Texas A&M last night. Aggies win 15-9, so the Aggies 3-0 and through the College Station Regional, and uh, the Cajuns, the Frogs, Oral Roberts, all sent home. Um, Coach Matt Deggs, who has joined me on Mondays throughout the season, uh, he will join me at some point this week. I don't know what day that'll be, but it won't be today. Uh, need some time, and certainly respect that. I also know that I think they they traveled back last night. They probably got back at like 3 in the morning. But the season is officially in the books. We do have uh, some post-game sound. You heard a little bit of it from Coach Deggs, uh, from Julian Brock as well. And we're going to talk more about the the 2022 season as a whole for the Cajuns um, and and hear some of that audio and kind of what – what they're going to need and, and what's going behind. We're going to do that a little bit more later this hour. Uh, color analyst Brad Topham, I think, will join me at some point in the 8 o'clock hour. I know he is en route back to Lafayette this morning, so we'll, we'll catch up with him while he is driving. And we'll talk some LSU Southern Miss and NCAA Regional Baseball as a whole a little bit later. Let's uh, Let's start with... The NBA Finals. So game one had an entertainment value in it in that it was close enough after three quarters and then Boston did something in the fourth quarter that just, I it was, it was amazing. It was like, wait, what? How did that happen? And the bet of the century felt like Golden State handling. It did. I mean, it, it felt like Golden State absolutely handling the Celtics in game two. They weren't going to go down 0-2, and they didn't. And the Warriors, for the last eight years, have been, the with the exception of the two bads, let's say six of the last eight years when they've gone to the finals, they've been the greatest third-quarter team ever. Statistically, ever. So good in the third quarter. And Boston, on the flip side, has been pretty bad in the third quarter. They've been a bad third quarter team. And last night, it was one thing in game one when Boston's up 12 and, you know, Derek White's getting a couple extra free throws at the end of quarters and a lot of little things are happening. 
Last night when Jordan Poole hits the three and they're up 23 heading into the fourth, you were not thinking, oh, deja vu, Boston's going to do it here in the fourth. Nah. No. Nope. Nope. Boston, which team is going to show up at home in game three? Because on one hand, got to be happy with the split. Split the split. You know, you, you you try not to get caught up in a single moment, because if these if these two games flip and game two was game one and game one was game two, everybody be like, oh, Boston's got all the momentum. They split. They're coming off a big win. Look out! Here they they, they were left them for dead, and then they ran. You know, like like some of our listeners and callers have pointed out, and I agree with them. You try not to get caught up in the moment of a single game, especially in this series. Because Boston can say, man, we split the series. Jason Tatum didn't even play good offensively in game one. Golden State's like, man, we 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 destroyed him in game two. Klay Thompson wasn't even good. He was really bad offensively. You can talk yourself in anything. And that's that's the interesting thing, I think, about this series through two games. Both franchises and both fan bases can say, We 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 feel like we're the better team. We're going to win this thing. Golden State will say, you know what? We just went to sleep in the fourth quarter of game one. Not going to happen again. Look what happens. Our ceiling is higher than theirs. Meanwhile, the Celtics are going to say, man, we split. We got home court advantage. We're going home. Got our backs up against the wall. We're more mentally tough. It's like Boston's been the best team in the NBA for the last few months. And when they lose, they can be like, well, it's our fault, right? It's the turnovers. It's the turnovers. Like they look completely lost at times last night. So last night's game was a shellacking, just like the fourth quarter was on on last Thursday in game one. The difference is the fourth quarter in game one on Thursday was Boston coming back and then running away double digits. It kind of came out of nowhere. Shellacking last night, 35-14 in the third by Golden State, just felt like, you know, another page in the book of game two, which was a pretty, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't snore. Maybe it's not a snore fest, but it, it it wasn't very entertaining. That's Boston's role players after their big game one. Al Horford, Grant Williams, Derek White. Derek White, by the way, minus 12 last night. They, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum played, but the role players, they just didn't come to play. Jay, email. You can email me, by the way, Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. You can tweet us at ESPNLafayette. That's the handle. This is Draymond Green. Sad he didn't receive a second technical. It's too bad he's going to the hall one day, shaking my head. Um, Draymond Green is just... So the Warriors, treat, they tweaked their strategy, and they were very, very physical in game two. Very physical. Right out the gate. It was like they just, and a lot of that started with Draymond Green. But whenever he 
he's just barreling into players and kicking guys next and doing it in a way like he the the defensive foul he got on Jalen Brown that they reviewed Brown probably instigated it but of course Green takes it too too far and there were some that felt like oh he's about to be ejected and the refs were like "Mm, it's the NBA finals let's take a look at this I don't know I mean I are they doing that same thing if it's just, you know, game 15 of the regular season? Draymond is he's just different in that. He starts, like, like if a key player that's not basically in the role of, like, playing a goon, that's just to go out there, collect fouls, and be physical, right? If it's, if it's, a, if it's a key player... I'm, I'm like you. I'm not talking about Jeff Foster for the Utah Jazz back, and they just would go in and collect some really physical fouls. But Draymond, an All Star, a key player, most of the time when a key player gets a first technical, they're gonna they're gonna be walking a tightrope the rest of the game. Not getting off of this. Can't get another tech. Can't get ejected. It's the NBA Finals. Green like does the opposite. He basically starts putting the pressure on the refs, like, "Yeah, go ahead, try to try to go, go ahead and try to eject me in an NBA Finals game," which that, which seems ridiculous. But that, isn't that what it feels like? And Green was bad in Game One. He was bad. He was good last night. He he guarded Brown for most of the game. Right out the gate, first play of the game, ties up Horford for a jump ball. And they stayed in man-to-man. They let Clay Thompson kind of wander over on Horford. Al Horford didn't even attempt a three-pointer last night. He scored two points. Remember remember that game one he had? And, and Boston tried to attack Steph Curry on the other side of it. And for the most part, he held his own defensively. Which was, you know, hey, Warriors even things up. A couple of other things of note before we take a break and and hit some NCAA regional baseball talk. Rafa Nadal, no surprise, won his 21st tennis major. And, you know, he... 14, I'm sorry, 22nd, excuse me, he's 22nd, which now is two up on the record. Now he's still two championships away from Ty and Margaret Court for the most major titles by any man or woman, but he became the oldest champ in French Open tournament history. It was his 14th French Open title. And I didn't watch a second of it. Because the final was last week in the quarterfinals when he played Novak Djokovic. I just hope Novak has enough left in the tank to get a couple more majors and we can stretch this thing out a little bit. Speaking of sports across the pond, you know what, man? When you talk about heartbreaking losses, there are some things in sports that are bigger than sports, right? Right? We talk about it. 
I mean, heck, you'll you'll hear Coach Deggs when you hear his post game audio in the next segment. He said it before, right? What did he say last week? He was like, it means so many different things to so many different people. I remember when the Saints won the Super Bowl, what it meant, what it means when sports is bigger than just a game to certain individuals. Right? And there, like, I when it when it comes to the World Cup, which again, it's so stupid that they're having it in Qatar where they're gonna have to play in the freaking October and November, the World Cup's going to be happening during football season and basketball and maybe have – I think maybe it even starts when the World Series could possibly still go on. Just the worst time to have it, which is stupid. But it's also just peak FIFA. But I digress. Where I'm going with this is I watch the World Cup. I watch U.S. men's national soccer. That usually is the extent of the soccer I watch, aside from Ted Lasso, which is a show about soccer, not actual soccer. Of course, they call it football. I was following. I was following the Ukraine men's national team. Because the Ukraine men's soccer team, when you consider what that country is going through, it is impossible not to root for them. Like, they, they've got a country attacking them. They're at war, and they're trying to find an escape, getting something to get behind that has that country pride in. There is the men's soccer team that just needs a single victory to get a World Cup berth. Just get past Wales. Just do it. And their captain accidentally headed the ball into his own goal, and it was the only score. It was the only goal in the whole game. They lost one to nothing. Now, if you want to act like sports and politics are always separate, or they should be separate, or this or that, there are times when nope. I mean, you literally have a nation lining up to compete against another nation. There's always going to be some political undertones in something like the World Cup or the Olympics, something like that. And when one of the countries is under a a brutal, unjust war that's happening, how can you not want to root for them? Oh, it's a meaningless soccer game. Not to them. Is the game itself, the outcome, as important as as the life and death situations happening around the world? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I think you guys are smart enough to know what I'm saying. That was heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Whew. I was five, I mean, there, there I am watching Ukraine men's national soccer on my phone, just rooting like crazy for him. Soccer can be such a cruel sport, man. Such a cruel sport. ESPN Lafayette. A lot of emotion comes with sports. For seven seniors and perhaps a few other players who might be going to the draft, their final game in a Raging Cajun uniform, ended yesterday. 
Some will play baseball again, maybe at the minors or potentially a major league level. Some, that was it. Outside of maybe a city league or rec league. How will the 2022 Raging Cajun team be remembered? That question was asked to catcher Julian Brock. That question was asked to coach Matt Deggs from my friend Seth Lewis over KTC TV3. Shout out, Seth. He was there. Said the atmosphere was absolutely electric at College Station this weekend. The answers from both Brock and Deggs coming your way next. We're going to dig in. This is the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on the Rich Eisen Show. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. <laughs> Scott Show. NCAA Regionals. Texas State taking on Stanford today in the regional final. Coastal Carolina in a regional final as well. Southern Miss and LSU 3 o'clock today. Just about everything that could go wrong yesterday for LSU did go wrong. They were in the, I mean, look. LSU's wins Friday and Saturday were wild. Ten runs in the eighth Friday night. They were down 11-4. They win 14-11 against Kennesaw State. They win an extra inning Saturday against Southern Miss. There they are, a win, and they advance the Supers to the Coral Gables Super Regional. And two hits after the third inning. Just bats went cold. The bullpen struggled. And now it's win or go home between the Golden Eagles and the Tigers in Hattiesburg. I say they'll go to the they'll face the Coral Gables regional champion. We'll see where they're going. But who's Coach Jay Johnson going to start? Will the bullpen improve? I mean, Southern Miss's bullpen: Isaiah Rhodes, Justin Storm. They look great. Raging Cajuns. Their season came to an end. Yesterday, 6-1 the final against TCU. Uh, an exciting win Friday night against the Horned Frogs. A 9-6 loss Saturday against a and A hard-fought game back and forth. Cajuns had the lead in the third inning, carried it into the seventh, but ultimately the uh, the Aggies got the win. And then yesterday, Cajuns fell. Julian Brock, a sophomore, more many feel like 
Yeah, as good as those guys are, I think the MLB draft might come calling. Well, it will come calling. Will they take the call? Will they go? Some feel like they might not be back next year. And then you've got seven seniors that are departing as well. And yet, it you know, you got to replace those guys. You need to improve some elements of the pitching staff, no doubt. But this thing is trending upward right now. How would Julian Brock like the 2022 Raging Cajun team to be remembered? That we brought back the grit to this program. Uh, the, the history that's gone throughout this program, it's very special. You can look back on YouTube on anything. They, just, you could see all, all the videos you want, but I, I believe this team's brought that back. Just the hard-nosed baseball. There you go. There you go. Coach Deggs? I came back for the Robichaux family and for Cajun Nation and for the 2014 team, and I believe that we gave all everybody something to be proud of this year. And these kids came along when I needed them most, and I'll always say, I'll say it again, they, <laughs> I need them way more than they need me. And that's a fact. But what makes my heart full, and I'm fine carrying on, and uh, I'm fine losing these guys right now. It's going to hurt for a couple, two or three weeks. But we have a job to do, and I feel like these kids took this program and put it back to where it's something that everybody can be proud of right now, look forward to, embrace, and really something for a community to rally around. And there's no better place than Cajun Nation. There you have it. The entire season-ending press conference. I mentioned it, Coach Deggs typically drills me on Mondays. Uh, we don't have him on live today. We'll talk to him at some point later this week. Kind of look back at the season. Get his thoughts on the state of college baseball as a whole, but certainly the state of the Cajuns program. But here is the uh, post-game press yesterday, about four minutes. But you'll hear mainly Coach Deggs, a little bit of Julian Brock, uh, Seth Lewis, Kevin Foote, friends of mine. They're asking a number of questions, but right after the loss to TCU. Coach, whenever you're ready. Yeah. Uh, we probably shot all our bullets last night. Uh we were running a little low on ammo to begin with, and uh, you know we we landed some serious blows last night, and and uh, I, I feel like that was our shot. And I honestly woke up expecting us to to have a great game today, but we just got out, man. TCU was a better ball club today, and that's okay. Uh, love the way our guys fight, love the way they compete, and I love the way they love each other, and. Uh, these boys changed the course of this program this year, and that's all I can ask, and I'll be forever grateful to them. Questions? Coach, the first inning, luckily, might be a slugfest-type game. The two teams combined for two runs. It like the wind was blowing out. It was hot. Did it change your think the approach of your hitters at all? No, I think Brown changed the approach of our hitters. He was uh, as good a stuff as we've seen and effectively all over the place with it. That's a tough combination. Generally, when a guy's got really good stuff and he misses, misses, he's going to continue to miss. But then he would land one, uh, land another one, miss. Uh, maybe we chase. 
he was a tough matchup for us today. Hats off to him. And uh, middle of their order is good, and, and they hit when they have to. And we've been, uh, you know, we're down two or three guys right now. And uh, that's fine. We still find a way. We had plenty of opportunity today. Bases loaded, bases loaded, runners on base, and just never cashed in. Then when we do hit a ball in the screws, Rogers makes a heck of a play. It was their day. They went out and got it. Hats off to them. It should be a, a great championship. To piggyback off of that, you mentioned the bases loaded in consecutive innings. Do you feel like it was more y'all not executing, or was it just Cam just being really good? Well, the amount of energy that we have expended, Seth, to get to this point is staggering. And uh, they never waver, never quit, nothing. And like I said, uh, we were running low already, man. And and I feel like we, we gave it everything we had and just got beat today. And sometimes that's what happens. But we're going to lose seven incredible seniors. We should return a ton of guys. And uh, this team's going to be a handful in a year. Julian, just talk about this season and what, what it meant for you. You've done a lot of waiting before this year, and you, and you had a fabulous season. Just talk about what this season what it was like for you and what it meant for you. For me, it was just a blessing, honestly. I mean, these guys, the camaraderie that we have is a, is a ball club. It's very special. I can't thank these coaches enough for giving me the chance after chance. And them going full hand on me, it's truly a blessing. Coach Harden kind of mentioned it, but when you run into a guy who's got stuff like Cam Brown today, just how big of a challenge is that for you to play? Uh, the challenge, it's going to be there. Um, Cam Brown, he was a good, he was a good pitcher, and you know he had, he had a lot of good stuff. The main thing is just staying in our approach. Really, that's just the bottom line. Uh, we were around a lot of balls. That's also had to come with the pitching that he that he brought to the play today. Defensively, TCU did make a couple of really good plays in some clutch situations. When you see the other team making plays like that, what does that do to the energy in the dugout and just to the team? Yeah, of course. It's a punch in the face, but uh, this team, we respond very well throughout the season, but uh, it's something that doesn't really overtake much of what we do. The run that we've been on, when you look at our arch rival, South Alabama, and then a Texas State team, I don't know what they've done today, but they're an Omaha-type team, and then Georgia Southern, pound for pound, the highest RPI in our league, and then to get TCU and then to have a lead in the seventh last night against A&M. A lot of that is want to, and a lot of that is is tough, hard-nosed baseball, but a lot of that, too, there's some breaks involved. And today we just ran out of magic. Uh, Julian, when people look back at this squad, this 2022 squad, what do you want in legacy? What do you want people to remember about this team? That we brought back the grip to this program. Uh, the... The history that's gone throughout this program, it's very special. You can look back on YouTube on anything. They, just, you could see all, all the videos you want, but I, I believe this team's brought that back. Just the hard-nosed baseball. And, Dix, uh, same question, essentially. Uh, when people look back at this squad, you mentioned how special they are to you. Just what do you want them to remember? I came back for the Robichaux family and for Cajun Nation and for the 2014 team. And I believe that we gave all everybody something to be proud of this year. And these kids came along when I needed them most. And I, was, I always say, I'll say it again, they, <laughs> I need them way more than they need me. And that's a fact.
But what makes my heart full, and I'm fine carrying on, and uh, I'm fine losing these guys right now. It's going to hurt for a couple, two or three weeks. But we have a job to do, and I feel like these kids took this program and put it back to where it's something that everybody can be proud of right now, look forward to, embrace, and really something for a community to rally around. And there's no better place than Cajun Nation. Anybody else? Uh, to that point, too, and you mentioned losing seven guys, but you're going to have a ton of, of really talented guys coming back. Um, what, what do you feel like the future holds for this program? It's about to get really fun. I will say this, spent six years here, and uh, people have been incredible to me and my family this week, and uh, my kids did a lot of formidable growing up here, and formidable years, and, and uh, I just want to say a heartfelt thanks to, to all the Aggies that embraced us and uh, made us feel at home again, and uh, that speaks to the people of Texas. and. Uh, all of our fans from Lafayette and Cajun Nation that traveled over here and have never left our side no matter what. They just kept coming with us, kept propelling us, kept pushing us. Just want to say thank you, and we love you. There it is. That is Coach Deggs and a little bit from Julian Brock, who had a heck of a season. The message that you heard there was very much, you heard the word grit a lot. You heard the word restored a lot. Six seasons without an NCAA regional bid. Without an appearance at an NCAA regional. That is far too long. Far too long. Particularly for a program that holds its standard in high accord. For a coach that when he took over in July of 2019 said, look, our, we're, we're a regional team consistently, yearly. We, we want to walk through the gates of Omaha together. That's the goal. And I remember asking Coach Deggs before the season, like, you never downplay expectations ever. Some coaches do. They don't want to they, they, they lift up expectations so high or get anything. They just kind of just, they almost play a coy. Like, they don't say much like, you know, take it day by day, game to game. And he comes in there, he's like, no, we're going to be in a regional. And the reality is, if they hadn't won the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, they wouldn't have been, but they did, and they were. And he said after the game, on the radio broadcast to Brad, you know, I just told that group over there, one year from now, we're going to be walking through the gates of Omaha. I guess he means one year and two weeks, but you get the gist. I mean, that he was he's, he's saying next year we're going to the College World Series. There are not very many coaches that would say that. Now, there are some coaches in college baseball that will say, look, our goal is to go to the College World Series. I think the vast majority of coaches in college baseball would say that. Our goal is to... But to literally be like, no, we're going. Some feel like this team in some ways was 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 slightly ahead of schedule. Others were saying, man, what took you so long? Regardless of where you're at with it, a disappointing end of the season. You wanted it to continue. But the team ranked tops, you know, top baseball program in the country in community service. That's not a local thing. That was a national thing. 
graduated a lot of players. And we're back at an NCAA regional. There are a number of things they need to do next year to take that next step. And we'll talk more about that next hour. Brad Topham's going to join me, color analyst. But you lose seven seniors. Julian Brock, the season he had, what a season he had. Wasn't, let me tell you something, talking about this team back in late January before the season starts, it wasn't like you were thinking, oh, Julian Brock, he's going to be a all-conference type player that is going to get drafted and have a decision to make because he's going to be that great for him. And he was. He was all season long. LSU Southern Miss today at three. I mentioned earlier the winner of the game would play the winner of the Coral Gables Regional. Whether it be Arizona or Ole Miss. And Arizona, in effect, being the number 27 national seed. LSU spokesperson Bill Frank said that the Tigers would host a Super Regional if they win because they're a higher rated number two regional seed. Now, that's it, you know, LSU is in effect the number 22 national seed because of the old S curve. That's part of it. The other part of it is you have to also apply for it, which both schools, like pretty much every school does. You always apply for it just in case you happen to, you know, there happens to be upset. You want to be able to host. And so if LSU wins, they host a Super Regional. If Southern Miss wins, they host a Super Regional. This is a huge game today for both programs. And if Southern Miss wins, you know, being the only national seed alive in the period, obviously would host, but LSU would get the host over Arizona. Of course, they might not be hosting Arizona. They might not be hosting. They have to win. If they do win, it's Arizona or Ole Miss. Now, the last time they hosted a Super Regional was 2019, and they were a number 13 national seed. But Florida State won the Athens Regional. Georgia was the fourth seed, and so LSU won its regional, including a couple of wins against Southern Miss. Florida State went on to beat LSU in advance to the College World Series that year, but it's all about today. Those teams can worry about Super Regionals next week. Well, one of them can. The other is going to go home. LSU will be the designated home team. Seeing some of that on TV, that atmosphere in Hattiesburg with Southern Miss and LSU. Like, I, I what, what do they call it on ESPN, the coverage, the squeeze? Is that what they call it, where it's just a channel and they're just going from game to game? When, I, when the Cajuns weren't playing, I was just watching some of the squeeze. Going from one series to another. NCAA regionals are fun. I, I don't know that super regionals will be as fun. I've said it a lot, right? A lot of times when you get to the postseason in sports, it's that first round because there's just so much. It's like a buffet, right? Limited menu, yeah. 
Maybe you'll find something you like. Maybe you won't. But when you've got a, a gourmet buffet, you're going to find some some dishes that you really like. Some you don't, but you know what? You can spit it out. You get well. Maybe don't spit it out. Don't be rude. Let the let the server come take your plate. Then you get to the College World Series. Now it's a little different because you've got eight teams, and you've got a lot of games, and you've got a week of it. Little different than the Final Four or the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or the World Series of Major League Baseball. See, the College World Series, that's more like a a five-course fine dining meal. You're going to get something you like. The other ones, yeah, a couple dishes. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully it's good. So far in the NBA Finals, you had one good, one bad. And now the series will shift to Boston, Game 3. You can hear the NBA Finals on our airwaves. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. I'm Scott Prather. This is the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM. Streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Mentioned talking to Seth Lewis. My friend from KTC TV3 was talking to him last night about the atmosphere. He said in College Station, uh, the atmosphere was lively when the Cajuns played TCU. He said it was electric against Texas A&M. He also said they had a lot more Cajun fans than TCU fans. Now, they were outnumbered by Aggies fans, which is to be expected. It's a good fan base. Oh, and by the way, they were hosting. Brad Topham was there on the call with Jay Walker. We're going to talk to Brad coming up in about 15 minutes on what it was like, this program. Carson Rockefort, man. You know he'll be back. You got a number of guys coming back. You got seven seniors who all have a degree, by the way. Departing the program. Julian Brock will be drafted. We'll see what he does. You got some things you need to do with the pitching staff. Obviously, you're weak in rotation, all fifth-year seniors. But what does this program need to do to continue that trend upward? You're hearing a lot of order has been restored. How do you keep the order? How do you keep it trending upward? We're going to talk to him about that a little bit, a bit, little bit about this LSU Southern Miss final. What does LSU need to do today against Southern Miss? By the way, where do they have to improve if they want to advance and host either Arizona or Ole Miss in a super regional? We'll talk about that next. Plus, biggest takeaway from last night's game two in the NBA Finals. It's all coming your way right here. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Ten minutes till the top of the hour. Brad Topham joining me in the 8 o'clock hour on his way back from College Station. LSU Southern Miss today at 3 o'clock. The winner will host a Super Regional against either Arizona or Ole Miss, who play today in the uh, in, in Coral Gables. It's funny, we are talking about Ole Miss last week, right? For a stretch there, they're the most disappointing team in college baseball this season, and yet if they go on a run here in the postseason, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like the year, you know, UNC is in a high seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, they were one of the last four in. Well, you make a run to the Final Four, who cares? You're not going to remember the regular season. You're going to remember how far you got. Now you got to get there. For Southern Miss, boy, they got great performances from two guys out of their bullpen that were, you know, they neither guy had an ERA under four in Isaiah Rhodes and Justin Storm. And LSU's offense after the third inning yesterday was putrid. Putrid. Two hits after the second inning. And LSU has been Jekyll and Hyde all year. You see him one weekend or one game or at times within the same game, and you're like, this might this, this team could win the whole thing. And other times you're like, are they any good? Now their fielding has had issues throughout the year. But offensively, the team's got it. They got it. But who is going to start? I mean, Coach Jay Johnson admitted, look, it, 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 we've had some games where we had to do things outside the box. Doesn't that feel like he's saying we're going to have to be a little unconventional here, which sometimes happens whenever you get into a elimination game for both teams of a regional final. How much pitching do you have left? Mikhail Hilliard, fifth-year senior, only threw 55 pitches on Friday. Uh, you know, I Hilliard might have struggled a little bit in his start against Kennesaw State. Feels like he should be the guy, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Then you got Paul Gravasi, you got Trent uh, Vitmeyer, you got Devin Fontenot, you got Bryce Collins. All of these guys can can throw today if you need them to. And Fino and Collins have looked good when they've played in this Hattiesburg Regional. Vittmeyer's been, I don't know, he's been one of their better relievers all season. Pitched two innings on Saturday. I don't know that you want to have to get into Riley Cooper or Jacob Hasty. They, they haven't shown that there's somebody you particularly want to rely on right now. We'll see. They're, they're going to have to get, obviously, they're going to have to string together some really, really good pitching. And you could say, oh, well, look, they got 10 runs in, in the eighth inning on Friday, and they gave up 11 runs. They still got the win. They, they were able to get it done in extra innings. I don't think you're going to have an eight-run inning against Southern Miss. 
This is look. I'll be honest. When Southern Miss went into extra innings against Kennesaw State, I'm thinking, man, how much are they going to have left in the tank when they play LSU tonight? Well, it turned out they had enough. This is just a huge game today at three o'clock for both programs. Huge. Should be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that with Brad Top, and we'll talk a lot about the Raging Cajun baseball season now officially in the books. Cajuns fall yesterday to TCU 6-1. to one. We'll get Brad's thought. You know, I, I've talked a lot about the state of the program, the emotions of the season coming to an end. Haven't talked a ton about the games themselves this weekend, but we'll do that a little bit with Brad as well. Great weekend from CJ Willis, by the way. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Brad about not just the state of the program, but the game's on the diamond as well. And some other NCAA regional stuff. NBA Finals Game 2. Last night, you get into these situations and when a key star player is not playing well, it's what did your role players do? What did your role players do? You may not consider Al Horford a role player. At this stage in his career, he is. You look at Game 1, Al Horford, Grant Derek White, they played great. Marcus Smart, I won't call him a role player because he's the defensive player of the year. But, like, they played, the role players played great. Last night, Clay Thompson didn't play well. But what did Jordan Poole do? I mean, he didn't do anything in game one. Struggled on defense, couldn't get anything going offensively. In game two, he looked refreshed. He looked renewed. He looked great. 17 points, 5-9 and nine from beyond the arc, and really balanced out the 4 of 19 shooting night from Clay Thompson and looked really good in the process. And they were turning over Boston nonstop. 33 points on 19 turnovers. Both fan bases right now in this series can talk themselves into we're in a great spot. Warriors fans will say, look, we, we we fell asleep at the wheel for a quarter, and it cost us in game one, which I think it's not that simple, but that's what they'll tell themselves. Boston fans will say, look, we we split. We got home court advantage. We turned it over a ton in game two. Look at what happened in game one. We're going home. This is great. My prediction before the series started, Golden State in five. Don't think that one's going to come to fruition, but... I don't think we're going to have a gentleman sweep here, but if you just watched last night's game, heck, if you just watched last night's third quarter, you would think that. But that's not been the case, man. We have seen some crazy stuff this postseason. Too many bad basketball games. Hopefully we get a good one Wednesday night. That's game three. Reminder, you can hear all NBA Finals games right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Brad Topham joins me. He's on the road back from College Station. We'll get his thoughts on the atmosphere, the games. We'll talk plenty about the Cajuns. We'll get his thoughts on LSU Southern Miss in the regional final today. It's all coming your way on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 
I came back for the Robichaux family and for Cajun Nation and for the 2014 team, and I believe that we gave all everybody something to be proud of this year. And these kids came along when I needed them most. And I'll I always say, I'll say it again, they, <laughs> I need them way more than they need me. And that's a fact. But what makes my heart full, and I'm fine carrying on, and uh, I'm fine losing these guys right now. It's going to hurt for a couple, two or three weeks. But we have a job to do, and I feel like these kids took this program and put it back to where it's something that everybody can be proud of right now, look forward to, embrace, and really something for a community to rally around. And there's no better place than Cajun Nation. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott Show, our number two. On a Monday, we've talked a lot of NCAA regionals. We've talked a lot of UL. We've talked some LSU, and we have talked NBA finals briefly about Rafa Nadal and the Ukraine soccer team. Joining me now on the phone line, he is somewhere in the state of Texas, about to be in the boots. That is the color analyst for Raging Cajun Baseball. Former Asian Cajun catcher, Brad Topham, who was there on the call with Jay Walker all weekend. How's the traffic driving back from College Station today, Brad? Well, it's good now. I'm literally crossing that bridge over Calcasieu in Louisiana, so I'm out of Texas. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm really upset with these people at Bucky's. They don't start serving brisket sandwich till 8.30. And I got really offended when I got there at 6 this morning. They wouldn't give me nothing but a taco. I've never been to a Bucky's. Never been. Okay, I've never been either till the last month, and it's a bucket. It's a no pun intended. It's a bucket list, dude. You gotta go. I'm I, just I, saying. You know, I I want to go. We my family. You know, we went to Galveston last week, and I was like, I want to stop at a Bucky's. And the route we took, we just never really. It just never. It just never synced up. It never worked. But like, I, my, my friend Seth Lewis, he like I saw him tweet. I guess he was on his way to College Station. You know, late last week, and he tweeted, he's like, man, Bucky's is awesome, but it's a little overwhelming. It is. Dude, it's, do not bring your children into Bucky's. All right, well, see, then, then I'll probably never, minutes. yeah, then I don't know when I'll ever get to yeah. one uh, for that, you know. With that you, what you do is you get gas, you get gas, and one of y'all walks in while one of y'all stays with the kids, and then you trade off. Yeah, don't bring your kids in. Not unless you want to act like it's a, um, it's a Christmas shopping spree, because they're going to want everything. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad Topham, our guest. All right, Brad. Ragey Cajun baseball season uh, officially in the books. They fall to TCU yesterday. You know, I, I spent a lot of last hour listening to the sound from Coach Deggs, from Julian Brock, about the state of the program. I, I wanted your insight just on how the game's played out because it's – Look, it's it's natural for us to do it. You you talk about this, right? During football season, when we get in on Monday, 
oftentimes we're leading with with the Saints or the NFL, not just because obviously the NFL is huge, but because it's the thing that's most fresh in our mind, right? And then, you know, we get into the college. And then oftentimes, you know, high school football, it's kind of like an afterthought. I, I that, that's I'm using that's too strong a words. I won't call it afterthought, but it gets lost in the sauce, right? It it's yeah. here we are on Monday. I mean, it's not like I'm bringing you on to break down Friday night's win, but that was a great win. It was a great game. We 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 can kind of I, I, what I want to ask you to do is maybe with each three games from this week and the win against TCU, the loss to AM, and then the loss to TCU, just pick in your mind the one key moment of each contest. I don't want to just focus on yesterday and not, you know, bring up the other two contests, which were really two great games. You know, for starters, when and there's two injuries that are kind of overwhelming as far as uh, a narrative, if you will. Um, that's why I can explain to you how the weekend went. Is you find out on Saturday, Teron Armstead's not going to be playing left tackle. You're good. At halftime, you find out Ryan Ramchick's out for the rest of the game. All right, now your depth's not so good. You find out on Friday, th- uh, Thursday, your most steady force and your only senior hitter is is out. Connor Kemple, I was told when he got to UL by J- by Talbot that this may be the best athlete we've ever signed, but he's developed a back issue. And I've always noticed Connor a little stiff, but he's, ne- he's never been an issue. And then it just bit him on Thursday, and that hurt. You're talking about a guy that's been hitting leadoff, that's got you know second on the team in RBIs, like nine doubles, nine homers, five triples. He's a dude. So you lose him, but you've got depth. You play hard. Marshawn pulls a hammy sprinting through first. But in that game, what's not to be lost is this part. You know, I know people get sick sometimes of the overuse of robisms or coach speak. But the work while you wait, it's, it's proof of concept with this team. Bayon starts. Two-run bomb. And my brother, when I say a bomb, I mean a bomb. When he hit it, your mouth dropped. Two pitches later, Trey LaFleur hits a bomb. CJ gets two hits in a game. I guarantee you one of those guys could not possibly have started if Connor Kemple starts. So they all had his back. You know, the, the pitches they have went through everything. And you win another game, 7-6, to six, with the go-ahead run on base in the ninth, exactly like the championship game. That cannot be lost in the shuffle. And look, people made plays, all of them. And that's what was really amazing. But the toll started to get taken on this team in that game. The worst thing I can tell you is when you get a gut feeling from experience and you're right. Scott, I went down to the field to do the interview. And, you know, Degs knew we had a quick turnaround Sunday. So they were already done in the dugout by the time I got down. And I can tell you for the first time all year, after a loss, I looked at the team and they looked beat. They looked physically beat down. When Deg said they, they shot their bullets on Saturday night, he was right. I, I think when they lost that game, um, Bo Bonds has an injury. That's why he came out the game. Don't know what it is yet. That's in the back of their mind. He would not have pitched again, but it's in the back of your mind. 
Kimple's out. Marshot goes down. And then the normal wear and tear. Um, Scott, have you ever had your thumb or your hand slammed in a car door oh, before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where, where your fingernail so, then turns a different color for like a week and then it falls off. It's, it's, it it doesn't right. feel good. Except, except how about your entire thumb? That's, that's Will Vayall. He's already battling a wrist. Well, when he, got, he went to bunt and he got hit, when I saw the replay, he got hit on his top hand, the hand that slides up the bat, he got hit right on his thumb. So basically his thumb got sandwiched between a 93-mile-an-hour fastball and the bat. Now he's going to keep playing. We find out the reason Rockefeller has slumped a little bit, he's been fighting inflammation in both of his wrists. Julian Brock catches a fastball straight into his shoulder. I he saw catches that, yeah. a block ball yeah, off his uh, throwing hand wrist on the bone, not the wrist. So there's no meat. You know, Heath Hood's elbow still a little swollen and bruised up from when he got hit. Bottom line is it started to take a toll. So you play good on Friday. And look, A&M, I mean, I'm sorry, a and Yeah, A&M on, on Friday, Saturday night, excuse me. They're two three-hole hitters or as good as anybody we've seen. Um, the two-hole, Sacco, is, he is, put it this way, Sheffield was our conference player of the year. This kid's a shortstop, and he made the Brooks Wallace finalist. Sheffield didn't. That kind of sums up how good Sacco is. Then um, they got this other kid comes in behind them. They got two of them. They're stacked up. I'm sorry, Sacco's on uh, TCU. I'm getting a little mixed. But it was a shortstop. And they're, um, I think it was right field for the A&M. Two, three hole. Well, the two hole gets a hold of a change up down. And as far as Will Vayon hit his, that guy hit his. But we get guys on. We just couldn't get the big hit. What beats you? I'm, call, I'm listening to the T, uh, TCU defeat Oral Roberts Saturday morning. And I hear him say, Oral Roberts is now one for 23 with runners in scoring position. Saturday night, we were 1 for 10. Sunday, we were 0 for 9. It's not getting hits. It's when you get hits. Bases loaded in the first inning, you get one run. Bases loaded in the fourth inning. And the only way to describe it is you think about a guy, a, short, a second baseman going glove side and extending as far as you can without falling and then spin move with his back to the infield, making a throw on the money for a double play. I mean, great defensive play. They made the plays they had to make, and you just couldn't You just couldn't after that. And look, this cat Cam Brown, if he finds consistency with his slider, when I tell you next year if you look up and Cam Brown's 11-1 and and he's a top two-round pick, I'm not going to be shocked. Scott, he's at 100 pitches. He's still throwing 95. The slaughter's at 88 to 90. Uh, he lacks some consistency. But he just, you know, we had 29 pitch first inning. You get a one big hit there, everything changes, you know. But the fight in the team, it's not over-exaggerated. Jacob Schultz gave up four runs in the top of the first inning against A&M. All you do is come right back and score two in the bottom, and you get thrown out trying to stretch a double into a triple. Otherwise, you're still batting. You know, the, the fight was there. The, they came back. I, I just think the, the, the wear and tear of a season, 
injuries all at one time for a team that's been pretty healthy. I think it all compounded to just it just beat them up. And I guess like Scott, you ever you know when got when you run athletes, their legs kind of run in a line, and then you see a guy exhausted when they run in. They kind of look like they're running side to side because they're pushing so hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Ninth inning, I'm watching Bayon and Brox. They ground out, and they're sprinting to first. And you can see them running side to side. Bayon can really run. And you can kind of see them running side to side. They were just exhausted. You know, they just didn't have anything left. And the turnaround, and it's 96 degrees, and... Man, I'm gonna tell you, Saturday night, that was. I've been to Alex Box when it slammed. It ain't no louder than the six thousand we heard at a And M. I'm just telling you, it was a. They did one thing that's kind of classless as a fan base, but beyond that one thing, what what is that one off. thing? Because I see it referenced on social media. Uh, there's a bird called a swallow. Okay. You know, I'm talking about the birds, Uh swallows. Well, when you got a guy on the mound and somebody goes on Twitter or whatever and finds his girlfriend's name is Sarah, and they start chanting Sarah and the name of that bird, you got a problem with that, you know? Not one guy saying it, a constant chant. And, and, you know, that's a little bit too far, especially when you got kids everywhere. I mean, I don't know if you want to have to uh, look at your son when he says, Dad, what does that mean? There's one thing about bad words, and there's another thing about that. And that that was the only part I thought was too much. Sure. Beyond that, you know, beyond that, everything else. And, and for me, and this goes for Cajun fans too, applauding someone coming off the field as an opponent doesn't make up if you cross the line in competition. You know what I mean? Don't, don't pat yourself on the back if you stand up and give somebody a standing ovation when they come out the game if you did that during the game. that that That's it. Now, I'll, Scott, the facilities and the way we were treated, just the fact that when we get there, they introduced me to the on-call IT guy if we have any issues. You know, first class. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad Topham, our guest, Raging Cajuns fall. Uh, A&M as a whole, man, I mean, they three games, they won all three, they advanced, they're hosting a super what do you make of them as a program and their chances? I mean, are they heading to, to Omaha this year in your mind? They're hot right now. They're playing good. And the thing is, so for LSU fans that, that are aware, A&M was picked fifth. Schlossnagel is a very good coach. They are an example where the portal really helps. Everybody transfers for different reasons. The catcher was all Pac-12. Um, one of the there was three graduate transfers that combined came in this year with somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 starts that, and that, that all got infused to a good team. And that's why they picked it up fast. Schlossnagel is a good coach. He is, he is, he's a really good coach. He runs a class program and they're playing good at the right time. Scott Columbia is not a baseball powerhouse but they get to a regional final because they're playing good at the right time. A&M got talent and they're playing good at the right time. Look, they were losing last night. They scored seven runs in the ninth to win. Yes. Being Lafayette. Uh, I, I, I was, I was impressed by the Aggies. Um, 
you know, I, what I saw of the regional, I just I feel like I feel like they got a good thing going. TCU, we'll see. I mean, um, you know, the Cajuns were originally scheduled to travel there next season. They're not anymore. But I don't know, man. I, I the, the the regional as a whole. I mean, I from a I wasn't there like you, but I thought it came through nice um, on TV. I always synced up the audio with you and Jay, so I can't speak for you know the the broadcasting aspect of it. But uh, it was I don't know. It looked it looked like it looked like the atmosphere was great. You know, Seth Lewis described the the UL TCU game as as. Um, he said. He said it was. He said you could feel it, right? He said the the A and M UL game was absolutely electric, uh, and he said UL fans outnumber TCU fans. Uh, what was your take on the atmosphere as a whole all weekend? I'll say this: TCU fans should be embarrassed. When I tell you it was five to one on Friday night, it was unreal. Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, there were more. A&M fans than TCU fans at that game, and Cajun fans outnumbered all of them. We didn't really travel that well to the conference tournament. Scott, If I'm and I'm being serious, we had more Cajun fans Friday night than half of our road games, entire crowds. And I mean that seriously. There was probably five, 600. I saw so many people after the game when I'm trying to get to the field they're even wearing shirts, like conference championship tournament T-shirts. I'm like, where are they getting these shirts from? I don't even know these people. I've never seen them. You have a large alumni base in Houston. Um, I heard over the weekend, oh, so-and-so showed up. Oh, so-and-so, former players, guy like Kyle Clement, Seth Harrison's dad. He's an A&M graduate. He showed up in a Cajun jersey, you know, a Cajun shirt. You know, so Friday night was really impressive with the number of Cajun fans there. Uh, big tailgate. They had a um, Dylan Toy dad, mom graduates from A and M. They had an A and M UL tailgate kind of together. But dude, they had frog legs. They had fried chicken. They had fried boudin balls. They went to work. Saturday, you couldn't get a ticket. The the ticket the Cajun fans were stuck up in the corner because A and M fans weren't giving those tickets up. They they look. They did a good job. They packed the house. Environment was great. Um, and, and here's the funny thing. You know, I had a couple people ask me, hey, do you think so-and-so the game was too big for it? You know, on Saturday, we beat their number one. We, they, played, they pitched their number one. We sped the game up on him. He threw a ball away. He bobbled another ball. He's their number one, and I think it got to him a little bit. Sunday, the guy they threw Sunday was the Friday starter for TCU the last four weeks of the season. They held him out of the conference tournament. That's the kind of talent we saw. So we saw the best they had, but the environment – and I think that's where the culture, you heard the grittiness, the, the, the post-game comments, I don't have to refresh. But they're dead on. My thing all along, I, you know what, coaches, you got to be very careful how you say things and, and far as verbiage. They've restored what Tony had in the, in the 2014, 15, 16 run. I really think that's back. Well, I want to I, I want to follow up on that, Brad. If you don't mind, I want to take a quick break and then ask you sure, about sure. the state of the program. We will get into LSU Southern Miss a little later as well. Brad Topham on his way back from College Station, joining us this hour. We'll be right back right after this on the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready? It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming at you on a Monday, Brad Topham is with us via the phone line. He is driving back from College Station. We have uh, talked some UL baseball. We'll continue to do that. We're also going to get into the LSU Southern Miss game today at 3, winner take all, and we'll host a Super Regional next weekend against either Arizona or Ole Miss. We'll get into some other NCAA regional talk, but... A few more things I want to talk to him about in regards to the Raging Cajuns, whose season officially came to an end yesterday, and that is uh, the word restored. I've been hearing that a lot, not just from you. Heard Coach Deggs reference it. Here's some, heard some some players reference it. When they say order has – our fans reference, right? Order has been restored. For an outsider, explain to them exactly what that means and, and maybe why it – why order wasn't completely there the last couple of years? Well, what it really means is it's a guttural feel for the people around you. Um, under Tony Robichaud, what Tony created, well, let me go back. Mike Bollinger created a bunch of fighters who could play baseball. I mean, I'm, I, we literally almost cleared benches in the World in a Red and White World Series. Tony came in and created a similar mentality, but with a blend of homegrown and a few JUCOs to fill your spots. And he tried to build a brotherhood that was ready to fight. And that's what he, that's what he built. And he built a year in, year out. So our first six regionals as a program, you went 0-2 in five of them. You haven't gone 0-2 since, since the late 90s. And that's kind of the thing you're talking about. That's part of it, the on-field part of it. The other part of it is what you heard Julian Brock say. You can watch all the YouTube videos you want, which face facts. 14-year-old gets talked to by UL Baseball. They're going online and look them up. Until you're in it, you you can't understand the feel. Um, Bo Bond's father grabbed me, never met him, on the field at the conference championship game after it was over and introduced himself. And he said, I just want to tell you, I, we live roughly 50 miles from Florida State, 50 miles from Florida. Bo had some opportunities, didn't you know, really say where. He said, but I can tell you I am so happy this is where he came because when those programs have won, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like this as a team you saw him win but you didn't feel this you didn't see this that being a cajun matters when you're true blue just like being a tiger matters when you're true blue and that's what's restored now there is a feel and look yeah they had to get rid of some people and you know what he'll get rid of some more 
ain't gonna do it every year. Because either you're gonna buy in or you're gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna jump ship. There's gonna be a, a gentle or a forceful nudge to jump ship. And Diggs is gonna get the guys he wants year in, year out, and then some still want them but they have to go develop. I will give you real quick a great one. Those that remember a kid named Sam Riola, injured a lot last year, got really homesick. Sam went back home to Minnesota. He made first team all American at a D two, hit twenty two bombs happy because he wanted to go back to Minnesota where he's from. Great kid. Didn't want to lose him, but you understand he's 2,000 miles from home. He just wanted to go back. Diggs has it back now when they come into the fall. They're not talking about, I believe we can get there. They now have proof of concept. And the most important thing for me, those seven degree seniors all showed, for example, the pigs the Zambo, the David Christie's. They have, they have proof of concept of what laid on the line, work hard every day. Jonathan Brandon, C.J. Willis, not a senior, but proof of concept, work while you wait. And all of a sudden, a guy that was kind of passed over for a long time, he's playing every day in the postseason and succeeding. You don't really remember the number of at-bats, but you do remember the end. And I, that's what they've done. That's what they've restored. So Tony's teams always play hard, always. But you were lacking in certain areas. They, there needs to be a change in recruiting philosophy. Jake said that publicly. That's not something I'm hiding. And that's why a change was made. And not only that, Scott, you're, you're, you're at your heart, you're a religious person, you and your wife. Spend time with Seth Thibodeau. If you don't come away feeling like a better person, you weren't listening to Seth Thibodeau. Now, on the field, your boy's, your boy's crazy. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Thibodeau's crazy. But his love and passion, and you can't fake that. And, and that's the other thing. Diggs has an entire coaching staff that the kids, look, Dick Wells is going to be a head coach. It ain't going to be that long until he's gone. But they have a coach staff that's bought in. And, and real quick, i got to tell you, I got off the elevator Saturday morning, and all of a sudden, it sounded like a car salesman. I hear, oh, dude, you got to come. You need to go ahead and commit now. How long y'all been dating? And, and I go, oh, four months, so it's kind of a new relationship. But, man, if she's in Lafayette, this is the right place for you. And I see Jake Wells a little later. I said, Jake, you hitting it hard? He goes, man, when you deal with them big-time recruits, you got to hit them while the iron's hot and do what you can. And it was just so funny, but – that, it's hard to explain it without feeling it, but it, it's back. It, it's what you want to be proud of. And, you know, having faith in something is difficult because you're going to get let down. Look, 293 teams started. Only one's not going to be crying at the end. But when I got in the elevator going down last night, well, yesterday afternoon, after the game, I looked at Jay and I looked at Craig. I said I was upset, but I cannot be. I'm sad, but I can't be upset. I'm not disappointed because I can look at a team and say they gave everything they had, and it wasn't like they gave what they had because they weren't prepared to do more. They just they did everything they could, and not because they didn't have the talent. There are limiting factors that happen in every season, and now when they recruit the sophomores, the juniors, the JUCO freshmen All-Americans, when they're going to talk to those guys, it's proof of concept. And now, and they call your buddy, hey, you played there. 
what was it like? Now you're going to be like, this is a place you want to be. And that's what Tony, that's what Tony built. And that's what they, between COVID, Tony passing, you know, some, the wrong recruits, it don't take long to snowball. And Degs, Degs fixed it. They, they brighted the course. They brighted the ship. Having Wells, having Tibb, having Anthony run the show. My man Carter Muntraff, heavily involved with the analytics and Dr. Maggard funding the department. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it's back and it's set up. So how do they keep this thing going? Obviously, you got... Rocco coming back. You got, uh, you know, a lot of people feel like Julian Brock might, you know, he's going to be drafted. Is he going to go? You got seven graduating seniors gone. There's going to be changes. You're losing pitching. You got, you got to, there's, there's a lot of things to do between now and next season. So how do you keep the arrow trending upward as we, uh, we wrap up this combo on the Cajuns? Well, real quick, everybody that needs to take a deep breath about the transfer portal, because two things are going to happen with every team. A, baseball coaches tell freshmen, okay, this is where I see you. You're going to have to develop over the next two years, and you're not going to get a lot of at-bats here. Go to JUCO. Well, some kids won't like that, so they enter the portal. Fine. Believe in yourself. Go. But, you know, every year, if you pay attention, there are going to be kids leaving every program for all types of reasons. So you got to get the ones that are ready to contribute right away. Look, you have seven seniors. You hear them talk about that. Not many people remember we signed 11 people in the fall. There's a math problem there, right? So you're going to bring them in. Um, how do you keep it going? You keep, you keep pushing to the next level in the recruiting base. You keep winning. Look, you're in the Sun Belt. Not one Sun Belt team lost their first, was the first one eliminated from their regional. Two of them made it to the, uh, regional final playoff today. So two Sunbelt teams are in the final 32. Nobody believed the Sunbelt could get four, and you're bringing Southern Miss in next year. Old Dominion was one of the first four out. Your conference gets better. So the level of competition, look, the best of the best don't want to play against the worst. So it's going to help. I mean, when you say we need three teams on the all-conference because there's that much talent, that's where the that's how you keep recruiting the best of the best. So look, the answer is recruiting life, bud, blood, continue to get stronger. And a kid like Julian, real quick, he's got another year he can come back for. If you're a junior like Tyler Robertson, if they offer you a hundred grand, you go. Because if he comes back, he's getting a thousand bucks. Take the hundred grand. They got to pay for you to come back to school. You know, you're good. Julian's got another year. He'll have to wait. How? How much more money can I make if I come back and improve in these areas? And if the answer is not much, you take the money and you run. You'll have to make that call. Um, but you got a core. That's the other part to it. Connor Higgs got them at bats. Mason Zambo got them at bats. You're going to fill in with some Juco guys. You've got um, a step forward Rockefeller took. Keith Hood's going to be back. You know, he's, you know, you're coming back right now with a left-right combination when you look at their numbers. Pretty dad going good. You can go ahead and plug in Hood and Rocco into your order next year and go to work. You bring back Julian Brock. You talk about your two, three, four next year. That's as good as you had coming back to you on a very long time. We have a lot of JUCO arms coming in. A couple of more local kids who went to JUCOs that are coming back. 
And, no, I, I think you're good. You just have to have trust and faith that going to bring in the right guy and get it rolling. Brad Topham is our guest. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll take a quick time out, take a look at some other NCAA regionals and LSU versus Southern Miss today at 3 o'clock. The winner hosts next week as Miami went down in Coral Gables and Arizona is not ranked high enough if uh, they and LSU both put in super regional bids, which they did. And, of course, Southern Miss is a national seed. So whether it be Arizona or Ole Miss, um, uh, the winner of today's game hosting next week, but they got to win today to get to next week. And we'll hit on that and more. It's all coming your way. This is ESPN Lafayette. It's the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. If you missed any of today's show, it'll be up for you via the Great Scott Show podcast a little later this morning. You can listen to any of the shows on demand via the ESPN Lafayette app or at ESPNLafayette.com. Or you can just subscribe to the Great Scott Show podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, the usual spots. We talked uh, NBA Finals Hour 1. We talked plenty NCAA Regionals Hour 1. A little bit about a, so- a story out of the soccer world that brought some of us to tears and briefly about Rafa Nadal. But this hour, our friend Brad Topham on his way back from College Station, Raging Cajun alum, color analyst for Raging Cajun Baseball on the radio. He was there this week, and we talked a ton of Cajun baseball, the season as a whole, the state of the program, and now want to chat with Brad about some stuff uh, happening in other NCAA regionals, including the one in Hattiesburg today, winner-take-all final between LSU and Southern Miss. Three o'clock today. Um, It's been, uh, you know, I've called LSU kind of Jekyll and Hyde all season, Brad, because the talent's there, but sometimes you don't know the team that's going to show up like – you know, eight hits and ten runs in a single inning in the eighth inning Friday night, right? An extra innings gut check win Saturday. And then yesterday, they only get two hits after the first few innings against two guys out of the Hatties, out of the Southern Miss bullpen that, you know, hadn't been all that great this year. So which team is going to show up today for LSU? And in your mind, I mean, Southern Miss is, the is look, they're hosting this regional for a reason. We've talked about their pitching. They're really good. Who do you really feel like is the favorite today in this game? You know, if it wasn't at Southern Miss, I'd say LSU, no doubt. But there's two factors, I think, weigh heavily against LSU, and neither of them are pitching. It's, A, LSU isn't hungry. I don't, and I'm not trying to be rude about that. They haven't knocked on the door and got defeated. They went to a Super Regional. Their coach retired. It's a changing of the guard. They've been up and down. Hattiesburg is in the middle of a two-year run. 
they lost in the finals last year. They hosted. Well, guess what? They're right back in the finals. They hosted. They were up six to two in the ninth. Now they give up two home runs right away, but it's still six five, nobody on, and one out, and they still lose. Last night LSU came back. They tie the game up, and then Southern Miss opened it up late, and off of LSU's best reliever, by the way, and. I just feel like it's like Texas State. They were supposed to win it all last year in our conference, and they fell flat on their face. That team, there was a purpose behind everything they did, even though they're a bunch of arrogant, some words I don't want to use, and they had problems at Stanford because of the way they were acting. But they got, you know, they have unfinished business. I don't think LSU has that. I think Southern Miss has more of a sense of urgency. Because it's at Hattiesburg, I do believe unless they just fall flat on their face with their pitching, I believe Southern Miss gets the win only because of some extenuating factors and LSU's lack of depth on the mound. That's the only reason I can say bad about it. Offensively, listen, I'm just telling you, enjoy watching Dylan Cruz and follow my numbers here. September of 24, Dylan Cruz will be in the major leagues. I'm telling you, he's better than Alex Bregman. The only reason he's not the first college hitter taken in the 2023 draft is if there's a shortstop somebody else likes because shortstops can become colors. Dylan Cruz, to me, is walking out the most athletic, college-ready, uh, major league-ready bat LSU has ever produced. And I've seen a bunch. He is that good. And they can hit, dude. They can flat hit. And they're dangerous. But I don't know. Sometimes that um, that sense of urgency, that sense of desperation, makes you just a hair better. And I got a feeling Southern Miss—they're old. They, they've been there and they've been on the brink and lost. And I don't—I don't know. That just my gut tells me Southern Miss wins it because Jay Johnson's building. You know, they're building. We're gonna see lots of calls to the bullpen, right? I mean. Um, yeah. Waldrip, Riggins, Hall, Storm, they're all at 85 pitches. I, I don't know that they can go today. Now, the rest of the staff, 38 pitches or less. And then you look at LSU, I mean, Hilliard might start, but he and Fondo are at 55 and 57 from Friday. Maybe they, I mean, they can pitch a little. Gervasa's pitched oh, twice, but, but only 24 pitches combined. So, you know, I mean, Floyd's at 94, and, and Cooper is at 79, and he's not the most reliable guy now. Everybody else is at 57 or less. So, again, I think both teams, it's, it's just you get into these situations, Brad, in the postseason in college baseball where it's like if, 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 it's, if it's an elimination game for both teams and it's late and you don't have a lot of rest, you just end up having to rely on arms a lot of times that haven't, haven't been called on in like the most clutch situations all season. And there they are. They're having to be called on, you know, in, in, in an elimination game, right? A win or go home game. And maybe, look, that, that could very well happen today for both teams in this LSU game. But I just mean in general, it's definitely something unique about college baseball because you know you get to major league baseball you get in the playoffs you get in the world series you're gonna have to use a number of arms but rarely are you in a situation where it's like okay now we're using these guys out of the pin and we're throwing like six guys to just try to get through this game which by the way everything is on the line you know it, it happens in college baseball do you dig it do you like that or do you wish that you know it was it was 
there was some kind of setup that it was similar to the major leagues? No, I like it like this, and here's why. I'm watching um, the Stanford-Texas State game last night. Stanford used two guys that it combined for 14 outings, 11 innings total, and 14 outings between two guys. And one of them came in with a runner at second, third, got two outs, and they pulled him. Another guy came in and got a clean inning, and they pulled him. And your first thought is, well, why are they pulling him? But they're young. They're both freshmen. And I like it because it gives birth to that guy next year. Those guys may not – they may lose. Stanford may lose today, and they don't, they don't pitch again. Those two kids are coming back next year going, okay, I can do this. I've done it. I didn't do it against a midweek game against Cal Poly Tech. I did it against somebody in a regional when, they, when the, our season's on the line. And I do believe that's how you give birth. I, I do. Think of it like a, um, a kid coming in the championship game because of an injury and playing the whole second half in football where they were just uh, um, only when blowouts did they play or special teams. Well, all of a sudden they're ready for the next step. So, no, I absolutely love it. And, and I think the reason we're talking about going to the bullpen, when you get to Monday, and by the way, I think there's 10 – or 11 of the regionals are on Monday, and you have a legitimate shot of only having three hosts, four hosts, excuse me, move on. That's it. It's been a very good year. Um, only seven hosts won their first two games. The other nine were twos and threes. So what you do today is you don't go out there and give me, you say, how many outs can you give me? And you know what? They say, Coach, I, got, I get you four outs. Or, hey, I can get you out of this inning, but that's it. All right. And you're, you're just doing math. We're counting the 27, and we're getting whatever we can. And you know what? You haven't been a reliever all year, but now you are. And it, that's all it is. But it goes back to, in my belief, you pitch your way in, you're going to have to hit your way out. Um, seven runs in the top of the ninth. Texas A&M beats TCU 15-9. to nine. You know, there's been over 100 runs scored in Stillwater. It's, they, had to go, they went to extras last night. That's just how it is. You know, Coastal's still in it. They, they, Nick Parker hadn't gone more than six all year. He went eight and a third for Coastal yesterday, and they shut out Vitek. But they scored nine runs in the process. It's stuff like that. I think today's winner, LSU Southern Miss, either you're leaving a ton of men on base or the winner's scoring ten runs. You're just you're going to have to hit your way out. Top, anything else in the world of college baseball from NCAA regionals that, that really stood out to you uh, this week? And I know, yeah. you're, I know you're very tied in, obviously, at College Station, but I know how closely you follow the sport. Well, the biggest thing I said uh, I really liked is the fact that you look at it today. This isn't an NCAA, If you follow softball, on an average year, 14 or 16 hosts win. The top eight seeds, six or seven of them are going to Oklahoma City. It's not like that in baseball, and I love it. Arizona Air Force is in a, a regional final. Columbia is in a regional final. Baseball is more diverse, and for all the Power Five talk, it's spread out. And when teams like Southern Miss host, get to the regional finals, uh, Georgia Southern had some bad weather, and they really got kind of hosed in that whole deal. But for me, it's the you didn't see 11 teams from the Power Conferences. You saw some at-large bid, like four from four, uh, Coastal was the fourth team from ours, but they're still playing. And it's, it's proof of concept that in baseball, you can talk all you want about the power or whatever. There's the ability in baseball 
you don't have to be a big team or big budget to have a special year. And there's a lot of names that could end up in super regionals like Virginia Commonwealth, Coastal Carolina, Texas State, schools you are not familiar with. And look at Ole Miss. Scott, you said it yourself. When you have the biggest, you know, flop in football, they're not going anywhere. Ole Miss could still be in the College World Series. They're undefeated in their regional right now because they're a day behind. So, yeah, the biggest takeaway for me is just because you're a national seed or a host team, advantage. It doesn't mean everything. It means something, but it doesn't mean everything. Brad Topham has been our guest this hour on the Great Scott Show. Brad, um, I-, I hope you enjoyed your stop at Bucky's this morning. You're out of Bucky's country. I'm sure you're closer to Lafayette after this conversation. But yeah, yeah, man. Look, I I really appreciate you uh, coming on all season. It's been great listening to you and Jay on the call. And you know, uh, season's officially in the books for the Cajuns. Looking forward to next year. Looking forward to talking to Coach Deggs later this week. But. In the meantime, I know you'll be enjoying the rest of what college baseball has to offer, and you don't have to work anymore. You can just kind of sit back and enjoy it as a viewer. Well, it's never working. I always love it. And before I go, I've got to give you credit. We could be looking a different topic, but you could have a Subway World Series the way your boys are playing. Got to give credit to your Mets. I mean, you know, as long as we don't keep keep you know twisting abs and getting bit by dogs but uh yeah man i was i was wearing i was wearing some meds gear this weekend and and somebody saw me walking the dog they're like what are you doing wearing that i was like what do you mean what i'm doing wearing that i'm let's go mess and they kind of gave me a nasty look and it made me happy it made me realize man he didn't even make a joke that's that's rolling right now hey look and look i i can i can hate on teams all day but you got to give it respect they're playing to their ability. You got the right manager, and you finally got an owner in New York who looked at That's the boss it. and said, "Make the baseball decision." And you cut Robinson Cano and paid him his twenty million and said, "Go away," hey. instead of keeping a guy because of his money. So, no, man, y'all, y'all got it going. And he won't be celebrated the way Bobby Bonilla is. Put it that way. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Bobby's beloved. Robbie got to go. All right, man. Hey, let's hang out a couple times on the air this summer, man. It's always fun hanging. Hey, we'll talk after the Super Regionals. Give me a call. There it is. Brad Topham has been our guest this hour. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Jay Walker will be in studio tomorrow. We'll have plenty in store for you. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.